Well, it is good to be here with Effective Heart Change. We are going to talk about exhausted. Are you exhausted today, Dale? Uh, it's a relative sort of thing. Uh, and I'm not going to go into relatives at all because that, <laughs> that would be exhausting. But <laughs> We'll see where it goes. I mean, you know, that, that, that's the interesting thing about these sessions is, is – uh, uh, we we you have a name at least and 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 I try to I try to be somewhat coherent but uh, we never really know where it's going to go and and sometimes we're pleasantly surprised and other times we kind of go eh. exhausted gets us back into the let it go series I talked about three significant steps I talked about the transfer step the handing it off to God step the receiving step. Those are, those are big pieces that a lot of times people don't walk through all of that in the forgiveness, in the letting go process. So you've got the whole setup phase where I begin to see truth. I understand. I understand what's going on. I understand what needs to happen. And we talked about in the first program of this series, the Good Grief series, that how do I mourn in the right way? How do I hand these things off in the right way so that I get to the outcome, which is the biblical outcome of being comforted? And last time we talked about going beyond comfort. I'm transitioning. I'm creating new vision. I'm seeing purpose. And so I'm moving from a grief broken state back into a place where I'm functional. Well, Kind of unfortunately, but it's the way it works. In the middle of that, you have this state where I'm trying to take this old thing that I was comfortable with, that I loved, and get to a new state. And we talked about the five stages of grief. And the first three of them are human effort to try to fix this thing. And all of that human effort just runs you down and takes you into a place of depression. So I'm kind of paralleling the idea of depression for a moment, but with a different term, you hit this place of tiredness, you hit this place of exhaustion. It's generally during that phase that you actually start doing the handoff to God. You've had enough. Uh, we, we get to that place... Uh... You try to you try to make progress on your own, and and uh, may have a little success, and so that urges you to do a little bit more. But you can get to a point somewhere along the line where I've had enough of that, and I'm tired of I'm I'm exhausted. I'm I'm worn out on it. Uh, where do I go now? And the topic is pain. It's grief. I've hit this high state of grief, as we've talked about in this series. We're not dealing with victim. We're not dealing with violator. But I'm just dealing with pain. I'm dealing with life and ugly stuff that's going on. And how do I process pain in a way that I get better, whether that's a loss of a loved one or I'm living in a sick culture and people are treating each other in bad ways and it's just nothing but out outcome after outcome that are just terrible and ugly and painful. Life like that is exhausting. Mm -hmm. So I've got to find a way to transition out of that. And how do I do that? 
I've tried everything I can think of. I'm tired of trying. Where do I go next? And the question that follows that question is, who do I ask to know where to go, where I go next? And obviously, one of the answers which we talked about in the first segment of this series was was God. Mm-hmm. You've got to understand that God is not creating the pain. He's not causing the pain. He's not even wanting it to happen. He's there to be accessed, to reach out to, to give us strength so that we can overcome. If we see him as the enemy, if, if we see him as the cause, that's not going to happen. You bring that up, and that's interesting because in, in reading the material, I thought about that very thing, how God doesn't cause the pain. But our, our, the way we phrase it, uh, it doesn't accuse him outright, but what we say is he allows it. He, he, lets it, he lets it go on, which is, and I believe in our own minds, is to say he's causing it, but that's, that's the cover-up. I want to add another point that ties into this that I think it helps us. It helps us to realize these things, that pain is proportional. So let's start with one that I've used through other series. Pain is proportional to your pride. Well, why would pain be proportional to your pride? Ouch. It's proportional to your pride partially because the amount of pride you have says how long will you go with this thing trying to deal with it by myself? How how long will you hold on to it? The longer I press it, the longer I hold it, the longer I go in this thing, the more painful it gets, the more aggravating it gets, the more I have invested in this thing, the more I have invested, the more painful it's going to be to let it go. And the more likely I'm going to heap the praise on God, or the blame in this case, instead of praise, that... that. Uh, if, if, if you just lighten up a little bit, uh, I'd be in a lot better uh, situation. And because we're talking exhausted this time, I'm going to add a couple of other things. It's not just the pain. You've got that pain of exhaustion. Well, there's two different kinds of people that really tend to run on low, and I'm going to start with spiritually sensitives. Spiritually sensitives pick up on everything that's going on around them, which means they're not just experiencing their pain, they're experiencing the pain of the entire room. Well, let's go back to the title, exhausting. If it's exhausting to handle your own pain, it's doubly exhausting to handle everybody else's pain. So now I'm really overloaded. I'm really exhausted. Yeah, it, 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 it's more than that. Even I, I can I can think of times in in our group, uh, and and somebody who is of that nature. Uh, it's hard for me to fathom taking on everybody's pain. I mean, I I am fairly sensitive, um, but but uh, to to take on the pain that everybody's feeling. Uh, it just is overwhelming. Then I'm going to add another one, which overlaps, but it's not exactly the same. You have people who are highly emotional. The more emotional I am as a person, the more I burn energy. The quicker I get exhausted, the longer I stay exhausted. It depletes my reservoir. 
all of this ties back together because most of us are not willing to hand it off to God to let it go until we reach this state, until the pain of staying the same is too great. It's far greater than the pain of change. We choose to remain the same. It's not worth it. It's not (laughs) worth it. So, starting this transition process, invariably, we have to get to this state of exhaustion where it really gets to a point of, I give up. Isn't it interesting that so many things uh, in our relationship with God and each other is that we have to come to the end of ourselves. Uh, you have to get to the end of however, whatever you're in the midst of, uh, whether it's emotion or if it's, if it's a, a self-imposed, you, you come to the end of yourself and then you'll consider something else or someone else. When we're on victim, you've got this wound that you have to hand off to God. And so there's a process. It's a little cleaner. It's a little easier. It's like I can identify this thing. I can hand it off. When you're in the violator zone, you know, obviously, it's all well, those stupid people, if they weren't the way they were, you know. But you still are in a zone where there's something concrete, I, tangible. I can get my hands on it. I can walk through it. I can talk through it. I can hand it off. When you're in the zone where it's just pain and life is senseless and there's no way out, We almost always have to get to this point of exhaustion where I'm just kind of like, wow, there's no other place to turn here. I guess, uh, I guess I invite God into it. I mean, (laughs) anything, 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 Uh, but me, because I've had it. I'm, I'm, I'm true with this, and 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 then that you might even resort to prayer. (laughs) <laughs> you, you, you just might. And in the last segment, I titled it Face to Face, because you come to that realization, but after you come to that realization, it's crazy, but this is what it looks like. There, there's a venting process emotionally. There's a, almost a screaming. There's a, there's a, and then I go through the down phase where I'm just out of energy and I'm in this negative zone. It would be nice if these kinds of things didn't have to happen, but the Scripture says, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who grieve. There is a grieving process. There is a letting go process that's very real, and it kind of looks like what I'm talking about, and it's like, really? That's what I have to do? I mean, can't I just kind of make a decision and go on? Maybe you can. But most of the time, if you've got spiritual sensitivity going on, if you've got emotional stuff going on, if you're more on the performance side and you've got pride stuff going on, if you've got these kind of things, there is a process there of working through all of that to where it is fully transferred, fully handed off. A phrase comes to mind, count the cost. And and, uh, there is a cost. Uh, Dealing with... Uh, all of the things that come into our lives, whether they're they're uh, 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 whether they're a product of our own gathering or our own selfishness or uh, coming from somewhere that is out of our control, 
heaven forbid anything be out of our control, but that there's a cost that and and we we have to pay up to move on. Well, that phrase out of our control really takes us into the next topic. So let's stop and talk about the exhausting part, and we'll pick up with out of our control after this break. Out of control. You brought it up. And that's a part of the grieving process. When I come face to face with God, when I come face to face with life, and I realize I don't have power over this, and that's really important because if I believe I have power over it, then I'm going to go back into those good flesh efforts. I'll go back into the denial. I got this. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will go through each of those steps, and I'm trying to handle it. So much of grief is getting to that point, and back to the first session that we did on this, getting to a point where I don't have faith in self, I do actually have faith in God, or maybe I don't have faith in God, but I know I sure don't have faith in me. A lot of times in the program, we get that. We get people who walk in, I say, are you ready to trust? Are you willing to give us what we need oh, yeah. <laughs> to help you get better? And no, the answer is never, oh yeah. It's, it's like, well, I've sure made a mess of what I've done. I sure can't trust my decisions. I sure can't trust where I've been, so might as well. But then the next thing out of their mouth is probably, well, uh, I'm going to, and, 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 and we're all guilty of that. We, we surrender, <laughs> sort of, and, and almost before the I surrender is out of our mouths, we're taking it back. Uh, but uh, and I can do this, you know. 30 seconds of success. <laughs> Well, you don't want to overdo it. Yeah, 30 <laughs> seconds of success, and it's like, okay, I'm good now. That would be a good I, book. I, I don't for, need... That would be a good book. It'd probably sell big in America. 30 seconds of success. <laughs> I hit that. In the grieving process, that's why it has to go to exhaustion. Because for me to get to that place, to overcome all of those instincts, to where I'm really ready to turn it over. That's, that's just, that's why it has to get there. And then it's not just turn it over as in a mental decision, because that's what we want. Well, I made a mental decision. I have played the right words through. No, I'm talking your entire being, and you've got all of these instincts. And if the grief is not deep, if it's not a true handoff to God, if it's if it doesn't play through all the scenarios and work all of this out, I'll guarantee you 30 seconds of success, that nails it. You'll be into it. You'll be there for about 30 seconds. You'll take it right back. And as soon as you take it right back, what happens? I relive all of the stuff all over again. And not only relive it, but probably magnify it. Because uh, in in the operation of taking giving it off to God and then taking it right back, uh, we're we're not even politely saying no, thank you, I've got this. 
And, and uh, if, if we insist on going back, which we do most of the time, uh, we're, we're creating the, uh, a situation for ourselves when God's going to say, okay, go ahead, take it. See what you can do with it. I believe in something called triggers. And triggers work off from spiritual kinds of things where it's like it, it reaches in. So I've gone through, and I want to short-circuit the grieving process. Right. So, so I go, and I'm like, okay, let's, let's get this over with. I know I have to get do this. Yeah, let, let's just do this, and let's do it quick. So I do a mental decision. I speak certain kinds of words. I wake up the next day, and I smell the coffee. And maybe, maybe it's a spouse that died. And so all of a sudden, I, I smell the coffee, and I begin to have these memories, and they're flooding through me. You talk about triggering, it all wakes back up mm-hmm. inside of me. And then it's like, no, I, I can't do this. I can't walk this through. I can't trust God for my future. I, I need to, and we're back into denial, or we're back into bargaining, or whatever else that you want to try to do. But I pull that thing back, and the grieving process has to walk through all of these triggers and show up and grow up and handoffs and getting it handed off to God. And every one of those has emotions attached to it. So I get re-triggered, and it's alive. It's alive just like it was right there happening at that moment. And the emotions are real and, again, exhausting. So I'm burning all of this emotion, and the whole time I'm burning that, what happens? I don't have the ability to deal with life. That's why there's a grieving process. It's it's interesting to to hear you speak about it, because what we want most of all is relief. We, we don't want to feel uh, like we have no clue and we have no power. And, and, and so we'll even resort to, t- resort to turning it over to God. Uh, last resort, you know, I, get me out of here. I've done it. I've done it. I said and, the words. And, it's uh, finished. We want it to be just that clean and simple, too. Just thank you, God. You got it. Now let me feel normal. Uh, the real, uh, the difficult part about life is it's complicated. It, it there's more to it than just a little presto digito, and you've got what you want. Uh, there's follow up. There's there's actual commitment that's required. If if you're going to walk in relief, uh, you have to actually let go of it and not keep taking it back from God. Uh, It's a little more complicated than we think. But even if I was just totally consistent, I didn't take it back. If you understand the description, there's layers. We have all of these layers and levels of memories and multiple memories, multiple stuff, and every one of those has emotions attached to it. They've, They've got a normal attached to it. So those things are triggered. And I have to live this thing and then live it again and then live it again. And it's like, really? That's what grief looks like? God can't just pour out this blanket over you that just says, boom, here's this piece. And it's just rolling over you and it's all said and it's all done. Uh, not so much. Could, does that happen supernaturally? It does happen. I'm not trying to take that away. But if that's your vision of what it's like, when you go through the more difficult kinds of grieving, are you going to be prepared for it? 
It's interesting. Uh, you use the phrase that God pours it out. Uh, in the beginning, God poured it out. <laughs> that that was the intent wasn't all of this stuff that that we are dealing with. It was our choice. We decided. Ah, uh, well, that is that what it really means. And and Satan planted a seed, and and we've been watering it and tending it and helping it grow for generation after generation. And when we see that and we feel that and we feel this thing, it's like, this isn't what's supposed to be. This mm -hmm. isn't what I was created for. This isn't how I should be living life. Then there's a hopelessness. There's a despair. You go through the depression. You go through the exhaustion, the unbelief, all of the different words. And all of that's a part of the grief process. But when I hit that point, Sooner or later, I do hit a point of nothing to lose. That's what I get with addicts and different people that you work with. Eventually, you hit a point of nothing to lose. Maybe it's worth my time to actually trust. Maybe it's worth my time to actually take that next step. And almost everybody has to go through this face-to-face -face of coming to the end of themselves, and that doesn't even do the job. Then they go through this exhaustion phase where they're venting and reliving and blaming. walking through it and blaming and all of the different stuff to where they're finally going to get to a point where there's an openness just to actually trust, to actually receive. That is one of the most difficult things in life, isn't it? Is coming to the end of yourself in a situation or whatever, and then... Uh, actually taking the step of, well, I guess I'll have to do something different than what I've done before. And we are so comfortable in where we're at, or we're uncomfortable in it and don't have enough gumption to, to, to face the facts that you're going to have to do something different. And, and so we just live there. But uh, one of the things I've noticed as I've gotten into advanced stage <laughs> is that uh, it's more obvious to me uh, when I do need to do something differently than I've been doing it before. That is interesting. As you age, you lose natural energy. You, you don't have the same natural. <laughs> and so the young men, the young women, it's harder to convince them of the kinds of things that we're talking about. They'll bounce back. They'll jump right back into that natural energy zone, and which is kind of a trust in self. I'll fix things. There's a buoyancy there of I can handle this. I can do it. Or the, there's also the, the idea is that I have to handle it. All of those things really shut them down from actually grieving. Grieving done the right way brings you to that point of, I need God, and I need God to pour into me. I need his life inside of me. That's when we start living from a completely different place. And it took me a lot of years. I had a lot of faith in my own abilities to study and to teach and and to speak into things. And over the years, God had to take me through a grief phase in that. What's interesting, I, I was thinking about one of my grief zones. And one of my grief zones was after my ministry training. I came out of that all fired up and <laughs> believing in self, and I'm, I'm ready to go win the world and you know, going to do all of those things. Well, guess what happened? 
I told everybody, it's like, hey, I'm going to missions, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And uh, somewhere a few months out, I just kind of looking around and the voice of God had gone quiet. <laughs> and I'm kind of looking foolish. You're on your own. <laughs> and God's like, go ahead. Yeah, you, you, you got this. <laughs> well, first you, thing was I went back to the dairy farm. <laughs> And of course, of course, I'd made the vow, I will never go back to the dairy farm. Oh, Guess go. what my emotional, spiritual state was during that period of time? Uh, probably not real great. <laughs> there was a grieving process because I thought I had a vision, and I was energized in that vision, and I, all of the kinds of things that I just described, and all of a sudden, that was all just kind of pulled out from under me. And then after that, the other thing that I had left the dairy farm I had left teaching, and next thing I know, I'm back into teaching. And it's kind of like, wait a minute, God, you gave me this vision, you gave me this direction, and, and people out there might say, well, that's, that's not loss. You know, that's one of the greatest losses I've ever experienced is when I felt like something was absolutely God. I took everything. I committed it to Him. It was completely done. I was emotionally invested. I was as far as my reputation, it was invested because I'd shared with everybody, this is what God's going to do. This is where I'm going to be. You know, I've, I've got a family. I was planning on launching into a given area. And so, all of a sudden, it's like, well, how do I support my family? I mean, my entire life was in total chaos at that point, not the traditional grieving sense. But God took me through a three-year period of saying, no, you don't get to move towards this vision the way you think you're going to. You don't get to do any of this the way that you're planning on it. Uh, no, I'm kind of in control, and you're going to do exactly what you vowed that you would not do. And I look back on that, and that was a three-year period of being disciplined by God in a way that I, I just kind of came to a stillness, a willingness to wait. That was such an incredible foundation for all of the years that followed after that. Be still and know. I've mentioned before, I was, I was going to be a coach. And I, I knew I was going to be the gift coaching. As I, just, I just knew that. And, and the first year I coached at, at West High in, in Wichita, coached the JV team. We were a whopping one in 15, and, and uh, uh, not the same experience, but in another way, it was the same experience that you had. It, what I expected to be very good at, I found out uh, there were limitations that I had, many that I had never even imagined, and, and it was a time of evaluation. It was a time to, to be still and know, uh, find out, really, uh, knowing is later. And, and the process that God takes us through uh, when we're full of ourselves is an educational process. And it, it isn't uh, the time for you to, and me to speak and, and especially be mad at him. Uh, but it's a, it's a time of learning, and, and it, it has its purpose.
all grief done the right way comes back to this, I'm come to the end of myself. I hit a point of exhaustion because until I hit that exhaustion, I'm probably not going to be smart enough to turn the process and really hand things off until then. I hit that point, and now I'm in a place of being ready to receive. It's, it's such a powerful process when we can see it that way. And I can look back, and I can look back at that three years of, of heaviness and grief and lack of vision and struggling through, and God, why are you putting me through this? But that was so powerful because now my faith was being transferred from me. It was being transferred from my efforts into the grace of God and believing that what God poured into me was enough. And in fact, it wasn't just enough. It was more than enough. That was huge. And I've had time period after time period since then that I've gone through really, really difficult stuff that have taken me to that exhaustion, taken me to that grieving, and I had to renew that lesson. But I'm so thankful looking back at those three years, it was a grief process. And for some people, the grief process isn't something like that. Some people are like just their entire world's built around a person. That's part of why I've referred to long-term marriages or sometimes short-term marriages or it's a when you are invested heavily in something and that something is pulled away or you can't depend on it anymore, there's going to be a grief process. I'm reminded of a phrase, deja vu, is that experience of, I've experienced this before. And, and uh, in the process of, of God teaching us uh, patience, uh, and and not to rely on self, but to rely on him. It's deja vu all over again. <laughs> and and, and the, the process, uh, as you grow older, you've had more experiences. And, and, and you have the opportunity uh, to look and say, oh, I've done this before, and, and uh, it was because I was selfish, and I was thinking only about me, and I... I, I was going to do it. And, and we, if you listen to people's language, and, and your own as well, uh, you're going to find how, how many times in a day you say, I've got to do this, or I've got to make this happen. Uh, that's language that uh, should at least raise some sort of flag that I, I need to examine what I'm saying here. Since you bring up deja vu, there was another period. 10 years after the first one, that was almost three years in length where I was continually going through crisis after crisis, and, and it was largely imposed on me. This time it was inside of ministry, and it was just, it was things that I had almost no control over. But again, there was a breaking. There was a coming to the point of being able to depend on the grace of God. When you understand that bigger picture, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The only way you can be comforted is not by getting the next relationship. It's not by getting the next job. At some point, you have to have something deeper, more substantial to hang on to. And that deeper, more substantial is God. It is the grace of God reaching into your life. Let's take a moment, review where we've been. We'll continue after this.
talk about exhaustion and and it's to me it's a, almost a natural thing that you feel it because and 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 I've I've noticed I don't use that word a lot but I hear it a lot and and and, and it exhausts me when somebody starts telling me how exhausted they are or how you know, this or that and and I go Oh, give me a break. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> Unfortunately, because of my stubbornness and how hard I press myself, I live close to that edge a whole lot more than I want to admit. Well, shame on you. Shame on me. <laughs> I, I, I admitted that in class. It's is it like, a choice? It is a choice. Yeah. Absolutely, it's a choice. And I think, that that's, I think it's important we say that. And the answer to that in class, I admitted this, it was the only person I listened to in the end many times is my own body. So that trust factor isn't happening. I have to push myself to exhaustion before I will hear good sense. My wife can say it to me. Other people can say it to I'm me. I'm sure God's saying it. God is too. saying it to me. But I press beyond those boundaries, and again, this is such a prototype of grief because God would do it sooner. God could do it sooner, but we need to press ourselves to that level a lot of times because of faith and self, because of whatever. We press ourselves. I've described what happens during this, this program today. Not necessarily describing what has to happen. It's just that's this is kind of human nature and how it does happen. Well, and in the midst of that, uh, you you were talking about turning it over, and and but you returned to we need to, mm -hmm. and and that's and what I heard you say is I need to absolutely. I have I've got to press that, and and that's a conviction that you have. And and it and it runs it runs contrary to what God desires for you. So so recognizing it is one thing, and then where do you go from there? Again, face to face, we come face to face with something like that. We realize the need to transition. It would be nice if having done that. Okay, we'll just transition, and it'll all be good. Most of the time, we have to go through a grieving process to get there. Now, what's interesting, let's go to the whole Old Testament, especially, view of grieving. The big place where you see grieving is the prophet who is wearing sackcloth, sometimes and ashes, nobody's and nobody's listening, <laughs> ashes on their head. Mm -hmm. And so they're coming with the voice of God. I mean, this is such a picture. They're coming with the voice of God, crying out, saying, this is what God has to say. He does love you. He does want to bless you. And a lot of times people miss that in the Old Testament. But if you don't walk in this place of his love, if you don't obey him, then judgment is coming. And of course, that's the part of the prophet that everybody hears. Well, let's relate that back to what I was saying. I know that this is not the will of God. I know this is me pressing me beyond where I should go. I know that I end up in exhaustion, not because it's the will of God, but because it's me. 
but that's kind of what we do. And there has to be this exhaustion coming to the end of self, grieving, slowing down, waiting, listening, getting to the point where, oh, now, now we can do it God's way. One of the things we have to say before we end this session is that you're going to have to do this over and over and over and over again. And you may get a, just a, a minuscule piece at a time. Uh, human nature uh, is to depend on ourselves. And, and even when we recognize uh, we're flying in the face of what God has made us for and, and designed us for, we live in still trying to wrestle, uh, control back that I, and do it. And, and, and there's a tendency in that to despair and say, oh, never mind, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. You're right. There's no way you can do it. Uh, but you're looking at it from the wrong angle. I'm looking at it from the right, wrong angle. So we keep taking it back, and then we give it. Uh, I believe that that's part of the process. We're not smart enough or strong enough to, to in and of ourselves to give it up. And, and uh, God loves us, is patient with us. Uh, I've said it before, I don't think we're perfect when we get to heaven. We'll never be like him, so that's perfect. And, and so I think we'll always be growing. And, and, uh, but the surrender part is important, and, and to surrender and then surrender and then surrender, uh, I don't think it ever ends. And many times it's going to include venting. It's going to include, I've got to tell somebody else about it. Obviously, you need to tell God about it. There accountability. Needs, accountability. There needs to be an honesty. There needs to be a realness. And, and God's okay with all of that. I mean, he, he's willing to let us walk all of that through. And, and, and in fact, he knows that we need to walk Absolutely. all of that through. I don't, I don't have a picture of God going, oh, not again. No, he's, he's pretty good at that. <laughs> now, as I was preparing for this, one of the things that came to mind was Joshua. And I talked about the prophet and the sackcloth and et cetera. And, and Joshua is grieving. They went in, they took Jericho. They, they took it. There wasn't a single person killed. I mean, it was the triumph of God. And mm -hmm. Joshua was walking in the power of Moses. And so everything is good. And so they go to this tiny city called Ai and they get whooped. And Joshua's laying on the ground. He's grieving. He's crying out. All of the other nations are going to know that this tiny, worthless city was able to defeat us. And there's no way we're going to be able to go in the land. And and everything's awful and everything's despairing. And he's going through a grieving process, not normally like you think of grief, but, but similar to what I talked about on the pride side or embarrassment. Yeah, the embarrassment is there. He's going through the grieving process. And it's, it's interesting. God basically says to him, Get up. Get up. Shut up. Stand on your feet. <laughs> There's sin in the camp. Yep. There's something for you to do. And many times, that's where we begin to transition into the next phase, which we'll talk about next time. But there is a point at which 
I've fully handed it off. I'm getting ready to go into that receiving phase. In this case, the receiving phase for Joshua is get up, get to your feet, and begin to implement these kinds of things. But grief has this long period that it goes through, and then if we will listen, if we will respond, there is an end. And I love the fact that there is an end. uh, You know how I like words. AI. Okay, so I'm I'm thinking AI, and then I'm thinking I am. Uh, I am uh, trumps AI, or in the modern world, AI is artificial intelligence. <laughs> so uh, you know, not sure where you go with that. Well, but, uh, I I would go that uh, uh, it, it there it's artificial. It isn't the real deal, and 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 that's the same idea. Because when God said, I am, that's who I am, I am. That's, so in three letters, the God of the universe describes himself. Now, that's economy. <laughs> that, that is real economy. <laughs> and, 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 uh, but turn that around, AI, that's who, I'm an I, you're an I, AI. Uh, that, so that's what I'm hearing, and, and what he's saying to Joshua is, no, uh, you've got that, the, the, the letters are mixed up. And you're right on in terms of AI. I am the center of the universe, where God says, no, I am. I am the center, and really that's what the grieving process does. It moves you from a point of, I'm in control, I'm in charge, I have to make this work to a point where you understand that no, no, and no. Therefore, I can get to a place of quietness. I can get to a place of rest. I am now prepared for the receiving part. And that's the part that many times people miss. And we're going to spend an entire program on that as well. But I really wanted to highlight in this program that it's not just the emotional venting. If all you do is the emotional venting, venting can become rehearsing. And if venting becomes rehearsing, instead of getting better, I actually strengthen the stronghold of that grief within me. So it's important to understand, I've got to get to this exhaustion point. I've got to get to this point where there's an end of self. I'm not just rehearsing this thing and strengthening its grip over me. I'm actually venting. I'm coming to the end of myself. I'm getting to the point of handing it off to where the I am is my I am. He is my God. That's where grief really starts to work. One last thing on I am. Uh, I remember when it hit me. He hit me. Uh, with the significance of that description, is here's the creator of all things, uh, universes. Uh, we're just discovering, we're discovering even that language. Uh, we're seeing what he's, he is, uh, and, and for him to describe himself in three letters uh, was was a eye-opener for me. It was one of those things that, that, that is, uh, that's divine, to be able to, to <laughs> uh, of all knowledge, 
uh, and everything that, of any benefit that's ever been uh, is from God, and, and yet he says, I am, and that's enough. And as long as we're in love with ourselves and our own abilities, we'll never see that simplicity. And then we will continue to go through the grief process over and over again because the basic grief process is me wanting to depend on me, me wanting to be in control, me wanting to handle things. When I really see God for who he is, I get to a point of surrender and I can believe what we talked about in the last program. I can believe that this event, this series of events is actually a transition point to a new purpose, to a new place in Christ, and that things aren't as I see them. They're not in this really limited world that I see because God can see from so much greater point of view that he looks at this thing and he can see down into the future. When I actually believe those kinds of things, my venting can move from rehearsing to surrendering and when it moves from rehearsing to surrendering, I start the change process, or I at least allow the change process to start working in me. It's his work. We have to uh, choose. We, we decide to agree and participate, or we decide, oh, I think I can do this one better. And uh, that decision, uh, although we make it quite often, daily, uh, is not a good decision. It's not, it's not the best. It's, it's settling. And uh, God help me in my belief. I believe, but help me in my belief. And, and that's, that's a constant reminder uh, that, that keeps coming uh, because uh, there's a part of me, yes, and, and, but then I recognize the part of me that says, no, not that one. Well, grief is not fun. When you're going through it, it's painful. That's why it's called grief. But blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Hopefully, we're giving you some really solid explanation, description, understanding to where if you're in the middle of this process, you can walk it through in a way that there's life. We thank you for joining us. We hope you'll join us next time on Effective Heart Change. Mm -hmm.